I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about during these January days, uh, these winter doldrums. So I thought I would talk about the winter doldrums. Sometimes uh, when these days are dark, uh, these days are short and dark, and they're pretty short and dark in New York. I know in Berlin, uh, their days can be really dark during the winter. Uh, during this time of the year, of course, during any time of the year, the mind can, uh, can drift into darkness. Sometimes it's not so much of a drift, it's a sharp descent into darkness. We might get down uh, as the winter seems to drag on and the spring seems so far off. Summer seems like a distant dream. Uh, I often think of, uh, when I think of these, these moods that the mind uh, can descend into, if you will, as we descend into darkness. You know, darkness could be one word, uh, and then there's all the other D words, like being down, and depressed, despair, discouragement, dissatisfaction, disappointment, discontent. Discontent as we, as we make our way through the winter of our discontent. Uh, of course, our you know discontent is uh, not simply uh, something we experience during the winter months. Uh, I used to like to say, you know, I, I go from the winter of my discontent into the spring of my discontent, into the summer of my discontent, into the autumn of my discontent. So we consider the conditioned realm. Uh, the day itself is the part of the conditioned realm. Uh, we consider the conditioned realm. We consider the, the world. Uh, maybe our circumstances in the world or the condition of the world at large, what we consider the, uh, the conditioned realm in terms of the way the body is, the way the mind is, uh, and there may be darkness. We may experience despair, discontent. So in, in these times when we are uh, plunged, if you will, into, into darkness, when we experience darkness, uh, when we experience any difficulty uh, in our Dharma practice, what we learn to do is not to wallow in it, but to but to seek refuge, to seek refuge. So, uh, one of the most uh, valuable external refuges, if you will, for us uh, as Dharma students is our community, the community of wise beings. So we seek out community. So on this uh, Sunday morning in, in the midst of winter, uh, we've sought out this community, this group, uh, and uh, it serves as a refuge for us. It's one of the most valuable, important external refuges that we can find as Dharma students, uh, the association with other Dharma students, with wise beings. In our practice, of course, uh, we need to learn to develop an internal refuge, and ultimately we need to uh, be a refuge unto ourselves, be a refuge unto ourselves. 
Uh, so the Buddha spoke of this often, particularly spoke of this uh, a lot towards the end of his life when he was getting old and dying. Uh, uh, he spoke to uh, uh, his disciples uh, and said, you know, I'm not going to be here forever. You have to be a refuge unto yourself. Uh, in one of the suttas in the Pali Canon, Ananda, who was the Buddha's uh, attendant, uh, was uh, rather distraught because Sariputta had died. <coughs> Sariputta, who was one of the, the Buddha's uh, primary uh, uh, disciples in terms of who the Buddha taught to teach and pass on the teachings, uh, died just before the Buddha did. And, uh, you know, when, when Sariputta died, Ananda was really quite distraught and, and said, he was my teacher, he was my instructor. You know, I'm, uh, what am I going to do? He's not around anymore. And the Buddha said to Ananda, uh, therefore, Ananda, each of you should remain with yourself as an island, yourself as a refuge, without anything else as a refuge. Remain with the Dhamma as an island, the Dhamma as your refuge, without anything else as a refuge. So be a refuge unto yourself, he said to Ananda. So what does this mean? You know, what does this mean? You know, and I think this is one of uh, one of the questions that we, uh, uh, of many questions that we learn to ask. Uh, what does this mean uh, to remain with yourself as a refuge? A way that this uh, manifests for myself, and I would suggest that you might want to uh, think about it in terms of your own practice uh, what it means to remain with yourself as a refuge is that uh, what we learn to do in terms of times of darkness or other times uh, is we learn to turn in to our goodness. We learn to turn to our goodness. So in turning to our goodness, we turn to the truth of our goodness. We remember our goodness. We remember our goodness. Uh, and we have faith in our goodness. I have this goodness, uh, and this goodness will see me through. My goodness will see me through. The conditioned realm is unreliable. The world is unreliable. Uh, the experiences of the body and mind are unreliable. You know, my goodness is reliable. My goodness is true. My goodness will see me through. So we learn to rely on our goodness as Dharma students. We learn to rely on our goodness. We learn to have conviction in our goodness. Our goodness is what will see us through. I, in a little bit of a different type of a context, I. Uh, I experienced this so much, and I've talked about this a lot, of course. Uh, when I moved uh, out of the U.S., when I moved to uh, Germany a few years ago, I uh, moved to Berlin, and, uh, uh, you know, it was, you know, it, it was, there was so many challenges around that. Uh, from day to day, there were challenges. Uh, you know, living in a foreign country where I had never lived before, where I didn't speak the primary language, and... Uh, you know, kind of starting my life from scratch, uh, 
and uh, you know there were times just about every day when I would face challenges uh, and uh, I would make it you know almost a daily practice of you know reminding myself of my goodness you know and that my goodness would see me through you know and that gave me confidence you know so if it was something that I had to do that was going to be difficult uh, you know I, I was confident that my goodness would see me through that you know I might mess things up uh, I might get things wrong uh, I might be afraid but my goodness was reliable you know and I could rely on my goodness and no matter what happened no matter what happened uh, you know uh, you know my goodness was something that uh, couldn't be taken away from me you know uh, you know and, and to a large extent this is what's meant by self-confidence you know it's like no matter what happens in, in the world no matter how, what are, what happens in terms of the body and the mind you know our goodness is true our goodness will see us through and we have confidence in our goodness everything else you know you they can take away from you you know they can take your visa away from you they can take your you know your your flat away from you they can take everything away from you in this life and they will they will and they'll take your life away from you but they can't take your goodness away from you so and that was great great practice for me of course you know I don't think I could have you know 10 years before I moved to Germany go to live in a foreign country because I don't think I had that kind of confidence in what was inside of me you know uh, you know I don't think I had that uh, ability to rely on that that refuge within in terms of having confidence in my goodness and knowing that I would be okay no matter what you know that's what it is when we you know to have a refuge unto ourselves we're okay no matter what you know that's what the Buddha was saying to, to Ananda you know Sariputta died but you're okay you're okay you don't need him you're okay no matter what I'm gonna die too you'll be okay you have this goodness within this goodness within is what will see you through is what will see you through so um, you know when there's difficulty you know when there's darkness you know if I start to go into depression uh, 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 you know what I have learned to do through this practice is turn in turn to my goodness you know it's like when you start to feel dark it's like ah the world is a terrible place you know and and, 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 and nothing is going my way nothing will ever go my way you know uh, uh, so you know I learned to turn in I've learned to turn in to the goodness inside of myself and it's like oh, you have a goodness you have a goodness within and once you remember that you turn into that everything's okay because that's the most important thing there is <laughs> all the rest of the stuff that I'm so worried about you know is is marginal compared to my goodness so we learn to turn in to our goodness we learn to turn to our goodness when there's darkness turn to your goodness turn to the light within you know there is a light it's within 
So what we learn as Dharma students is that we have an innate goodness. Uh, we also learn that we're, we tend to be cut off from it and from an understanding of it, and we also learn that we have to develop it. So we have to develop our goodness. That's why the Buddha begins right from the beginning. The first thing he teaches, of course, is, is generosity. Start to understand that you have this goodness. Because yeah, you're going to need this in Dharma practice, this understanding, because Dharma practice is going to be difficult. And this understanding of your goodness is what's going to move you forward because you know what it is that you have. You know, you know you have this goodness. So you begin by practicing generosity. You begin by practicing ethical conduct. You begin by learning to speak skillfully, as he taught his son Rahula when Rahula was seven. And you begin to understand you have this goodness. You begin to understand what you have that's, you know, the, the, the most important and meaningful and profound thing that there is about you, and you want to do something to develop that. You, you want to do something so that goodness shines in the world, so you practice the Dharma. That's why the Buddha has you begin with generosity. You start to know, oh yeah, you know? It's like I talked about this last week when I talked about... Uh, you know, you know, getting sober, you know, over 30 years ago, you know, and feeling really bad about myself. And, you know, like everybody else does after years of active alcoholism and, and a drug addiction and, uh, and, you know, getting sober and after a few days helping other people, you know, uh, and telling my story and helping other people and starting to feel good about myself and wanting to live and wanting to live and realize I had a goodness, oh my God. I didn't realize I had this goodness, and here it is. So we develop our goodness uh, by following the Buddha's path. By following the path is a way of developing our goodness. So you know, the Buddha speaks to this in uh, his, his discourse to Ananda after Sariputta's died. You know, he says, uh, Remain as an island unto yourself. Remain with yourself as a refuge, without anything else as a refuge. Remain with the Dhamma as an island. The Dhamma as your refuge, without anything else as a refuge. So, uh, you know, you know, one of the meanings of this, you know, the Dhamma is your refuge. Is you, you know, your Dharma practice. You know, your Dharma practice is how you develop your goodness. Uh, so we take refuge in the Dharma, in our Dharma practice. And then, of course, you know, the Buddha in his, in his compassion uh, lays out the instruction for doing that. And he says, how does a monk remain, uh, he says, how does a monk remain with the Dharma as his refuge uh, without anything else as the, his refuge? There is the case where the monk remains focused on the body in and of itself, ardent, alert, and mindful, subduing greed and distress with reference to the world. And he just gives the basic instruction for practicing mindfulness. Uh, so uh, we develop our goodness and an understanding of our goodness by taking refuge in the Dhamma uh, through our Dhamma practice, uh, developing mindfulness, you know. And, you know, I mean, I mean the development of mindfulness, uh, you know, begins and is always... Uh, grounded, if you will, in being mindful of the body, right? You know, to be mindful 
uh, means to put the mind on and 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 the whole practice of mindfulness. This is different than what you know the psychological definition of mindfulness is, which is fine, but the Buddhist definition is different. Mindfulness means to you know first and foremost to be mindful of the body and even you know even more first and foremost you know that starts with mindfulness of the breath we use the breath as a way of centering ourselves in the body so we're out of the head into the body into the body into the body into the body all the buddha's teaching on mindfulness uh, has the body and the breath as a ground and a center so take refuge in the dhamma take refuge in mindfulness, take refuge in side, inside, inside through this practice of breath meditation, uh, through this practice of developing these foundations of mindfulness, we're able to come in out of the head, you know, and the head is saying the world is terrible and you're a terrible person, you know, you know, we learn to come in to the body, to come into the body, to come into the body. The more we come into the body, the more we come into the body, the more we come into the heart, to the light within, to the Dhamma within, to our goodness. And this is why we practice mindfulness. Mind, it's, a very, it's why it's so important to understand the Buddha's definition of mindfulness. It's about coming into the body into the heart so that we can know the light within. So this is sort of the other meaning of Dhamma, right? There's the Dhamma practice, but the Dhamma practice leads us to the Dhamma within. Our goodness that's within us, within us in the heart. This is why we practice the Dhamma. This is why we practice the Dhamma. We're coming to, you know, so this is why it's so important to understand, you know, uh, the Buddha's instruction for mindfulness to come within, into the body, into the heart, to the goodness within, the light within. We know this light within, the goodness within, through practice. This is where it gets a little dicey, right? Because the way that you know your goodness, you know, that's why I was able to go to Berlin, because, you know, I've been practicing long enough to know that I had a goodness within. Ten years from now, I'm now, before that, I might not have had as enough, enough of an understanding of that goodness within because I hadn't developed my practice to that point, or 20 years before, certainly. But I had practiced enough over the years. I'd put in that time on the cushion, you know? And there's that gradual, it's a process, right? It's a process of knowing the goodness within. It's a gradual awakening to the light within. It's a gradual awakening to the light within. So. You know, it's like, all right, I have this goodness. I, you know, I can do this. You know, no matter what happens, I've always got this. And, and you can't take this away from me no matter what happens. And this will always be there. And this is what's going to see me through difficulty and darkness. This is what's going to see you through sickness, aging, and death. You know, just like the Buddha's, you know, disciples died. And just like the Buddha himself died, you know, everybody that you know is going to die. You know, you're going to be separated from all that's dear and appealing. Life is going to pose its challenges, you know. But, but we, we have this goodness within that will always see us through. But uh, the more I practiced, the more I practiced, 
the more I practiced and continue to practice, and this is why I continue to practice, the more I came to know the Dhamma within, the goodness within. This is why we practice. This is why we practice. This is why, now we'll take some time for a little editorial message, you know, this is why the kinds of retreats that we're having in April in a few weeks are so important, are so important. You know, they're so important to take that time for practice. You know, I mean, we come to understand that, you know. You know, our practice, this time we put in the cushion, it seems so difficult and so challenging. It's a difficult journey, right? Even that half hour this morning was maybe a difficult journey for us. You know, we, retreat is a difficult journey. You know, the day-long retreat we had last Saturday was a difficult journey for a lot of people. It's like a journey we make because we know what lies at the end of the journey. You know, we know that where we're headed on that journey is a good place. We know it's the only journey, really, that's going to serve us in the end. You know, in the end, you know, it's what's going to serve us is our goodness. So we make this journey to the heart, to the goodness within. Practice, as the Buddha is saying, is the path to the goodness within. Now, of course, as we make this journey, you know, we come up against doubt. You know, we come up against doubt. You know, even as I espouse the virtues of practice, thoughts of doubt may arise in the mind. You know, sometimes we think of doubt as Mara. I've always thought that was a good way uh, to, to, uh, to uh, perceive doubt was Mara, you know, this personification of, of, of doubt, of aversion, of desire, of delusion, of delusion, right? Uh, because it, it, it depersonalizes it, right? You know, it's like, it's like, you know, or, or you know, Tennis Rubiku would sometimes say, just think of it as a crazy person, you know, talking to you and telling you, you can't do it, why are you doing it, you know, uh, I, you don't have goodness within, you're never going to be able to get to that goodness within, you can't see that goodness within, that's Mara, you know, that's where, the way we learn to look at that. You know, Mara is what keeps us from the path, you know, and everybody experiences doubt. So, you know, see, you know, in the Buddha's, the Buddha's, you know, the Buddha was visited upon by Mara many times in his journey, you know, and the Buddha's way of dealing with Mara was quite simple. He saw Mara and he saw Mara for what Mara was. You know, just doubt, just aversion, just resistance. I see you, Mara. And Mara would say, ah, the Buddha sees me and would walk away dejectedly. Let me go find somebody else who doesn't realize that I'm Mara, you know, and I'll pick on that person. You know, you know so begin, learn to see doubt for doubt, learn to see Mara uh, for, for what Mara is, and don't be in league with Mara. You know, the Buddha says you have a goodness within. The Buddha said your goodness is what will see you through. The Mara says, ah, that's hogwash. You don't have that goodness within. You're never going to be able to connect to it. So it's really up to you to decide who you're going to be in league with. You're going to be in league with the Buddha. You're going to be in league with Mara. You know, you have a choice to make there.
And I think for a lot of people, it's a conscious, you know, it's a choice, you know. You know, a lot of the time we choose to be in league with Mara for whatever reason. So honor your goodness. You know, uh, there's a passage in the reading uh, about the customs of the noble ones. You know, the noble ones are the ones who follow the path, you know. Uh, and, you know, the noble ones, you know, uh, are beings who honor goodness, who honor their goodness, who put a priority on their goodness. So as noble ones, you know, following the customs of the noble ones, we put a great priority on our goodness. We acknowledge it, we seek to develop it, and we learn to turn to it. We learn to turn to our goodness. We learn to turn to our goodness because we understand that it's what really matters. We understand that it's what will see us through in this life. You know, Sariputta died. When Sariputta died, uh, and the Buddha spoke to Ananda, who was very distraught, uh, you know, the Buddha reminded Ananda that, you know, Sariputta's goodness didn't die, that goodness is a kaliko, it's part of the ever-present truth. So, and this will be in the notes as well, of course. Uh, so, uh, so uh, the Buddha said to Ananda, uh, Ananda said, uh, how upset he was. He says, I lost my bearings. Things weren't clear to me on hearing that Venerable Sariputta had totally unbound, in other words, died. And the Buddha said, but Ananda, when he totally unbound, died. When he died, did Sariputta take the aggregate of virtue along with him? Did he take the aggregate of concentration, discernment, release, the aggregate of knowing and vision of release along with him? And Ananda said, no, of course. When he died, he didn't take virtue, concentration, discernment, knowledge, and release along with him. You know, these qualities of goodness are a kaliko. They're always there. They're part of the ever-present truth. They're not subject to birth and death. Sariputta died, but his goodness didn't die. Our goodness is what lives after us. Our goodness remains. Goodness remains. The conditioned realm is subject to disintegration. Your goodness doesn't die. So turn to your goodness. Find your way to your goodness. Find your way to your goodness. You have to find your way. You know, the Buddha points the way. He gives us the map to knowing our goodness. But you have to find your way to that light. That light is there. It's always there. Your task is to turn to it.